morning. How's everyone doing? We doing well? Awesome. If you don't know me, like Mo said, my name is Aaron. I'm the college pastor here, and it's been a gift and an honor to be able to be the college pastor for now almost three years, which is awesome, and I love it here. I love this church. love all you people. Um, as I'm just getting the last couple things ready, I love to do this, so just talk to the person next to you and tell them your favorite Christmas movie and favorite Christmas song. Ready, set, go. All right, wrap it up, wrap it up. Some of you guys are with, some of you guys are sat next to that person that just talks a lot about everything. They're explaining all the lyrics of the song, they're explaining all the scenes in the movie, and you're like, okay, didn't get to say mine, but it's okay. Um, bring it in. I think the only right answer to those questions, I, I don't have a favorite Christmas song, okay? I'm more of a Christmas movie guy. The only right answer to that one is, Home Alone 1 or 2 is the best Christmas movie. It's the best. My parents actually used to let us, as kids, watch that year round. And we would like fast forward over Christmas parts. <laughs> Usually to skip to the end when the kid is just really beating up on those guys, trying to break in, and it's awesome, it's awesome. Anyways, um, a few things has changed since last time I got to preach on a Sunday, and the best one, which I just love to announce whenever I get the chance, is my wife and I have a son on the way, and we are so excited. We're so excited. He, he will be here, God willing, at the end of February, early March, so be praying for him. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, if you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2 today, starting in verse 22. Some of you are like, whoa, you're skipping over the birth of Jesus, it's Christmas. Okay, he's still a baby at this point, so I was told preach from Luke 2, and it's still Luke 2, so I'm doing the right thing, okay? Luke 2, starting in verse 22, here we go. When the time came for purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said to be the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or, or a pair of two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. 
The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to call the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sight that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Jesus, Lord, thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for church, and I thank you for this narrative, Lord, and this truth that we just read. I pray that your, your love and your character and who you are would be revealed today, and it would encourage the people in this room for us to go further towards who you desire for us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, quick story about me. When I was, when I was little, I was probably like eight or nine, this was when we still lived in the UK and my dad was coming over to America every so often for conferences and he would come back and this was when I gained a love for basketball. I was like, this is officially the best sport in the world, right? It's amazing. So he was going, he was going to Chicago for conferences. So he would come home and he would bring me back Michael Jordan tapes and I would watch them constantly. I knew the discs back and front. I knew what was coming. I knew what was coming next. I knew which highlight was up after this one. And I gained a love for the Chicago Bulls and basketball. And I said to my dad one time when he got back from a conference, I was like eight or nine, I said, hey, I wanna go to a Bulls basketball game. And my dad said to me, I promise you one day I will take you to a Chicago Bulls game in Chicago. He said this to me in his eight-year-old, and I didn't, let him, I didn't let him live it down. <laughs> I, I remembered it, and I remember constantly all through my teenage years being like, hey, remember when you told me? I haven't forgot. Remember when I was like eight and you told me, yes, I'll take you to this. And I remember, it was the best day of my life. <laughs> it was my 21st birthday. I opened a card and there was two Chicago Bulls tickets in Chicago. And I was like, amazing. But what was so crazy about that was, even though for over a decade, I'd been begging my dad and reminding him of that promise that he gave me. Still, when that promise was actually fulfilled and given to me, it was unexpected. And I think that what I read in this narrative about Simeon and what we as people can do so often is unexpected is something that we live in, even when we expect it to come. And I wanna talk about today how we can actually expect the unexpected and that our Father in heaven is a promise keeper. And what he says will come to pass. And what he promises you will come to fruition. But yet still, when those good things come our way, when those blessings of God come our way, we still don't believe that they're to be true. And I think as humans, the reason for that is sometimes no matter what we are told, our instinct is to not expect good things to happen to us. If that's you today, I, I hear you and I know that's real that you just don't expect in life for anything good or a blessing to come your way. Maybe that's been the pattern of your life for you, to, for you to feel that way. Maybe people have confirmed in you that they don't keep their promises. Maybe trusting God and trusting the church has only proved things to be unexpected because things don't happen for you like that. Maybe you don't trust people, so for that reason, trusting God just makes no sense. Humans in general, what I've noticed, and me and myself too, is we always want what we don't have. We always want what we don't have. And even when that thing that we wanted prior that we didn't have comes, we still want what's next that we don't have. 
as a 21-year-old, I, I was, oh, wow, I've been given these tickets to the Chicago Bulls. Ah, now I want that jacket for when I'm in Chicago and it's cold. Like still, you, you instantly think of, I don't have something. And that takes you away from being able to celebrate a promise that was fulfilled and given to you by God. Because we're always wanting what's next. And what I learned from Simeon here, what was unexpected was actually expected by Simeon. And there's a reason that he saw this coming and he was there and he knew that a promise has been fulfilled for him and he celebrated when it came. So I want us to be like Simeon after today. I want us to go forward and know when a blessing of God has been given to us and know how to recognize it and actually praise him for it. So we're gonna go through verse by verse a bit here to just give some context to what's happening. So in Luke 2, verse 22, what we read first, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So what's happening here is purification. So if you're like, verse 22, purification. Eight days after Jesus was born, he was circumcised. It said that in the verse before. And this was following the law given in Leviticus 12. And it was a law that was originally given to Abraham that the firstborn was to be circumcised. If you don't know what that is, I don't wanna tell you. Ask the person next to you after or go and Google it. Women, so after they've given birth, so here's some more context to this, is women were ceremonially unclean after giving birth or if they were on their period. If Again, if you don't know what that is, ask the person next to you. But according to the Jewish law and the Mosaic law, you were unclean for 33 days after giving birth. Meaning if you are ceremonially unclean as a woman, it's because you are bleeding or you have given birth and now you can come into no physical contact with anybody. So Jesus has been circumcised, but for 33 days, Mary has, it was not allowed to come into contact with anyone. She'd only come into contact with Joseph, and so if a male comes into physical contact with a woman who is unclean, he is then unclean for one day until nightfall. So what we can know here is they're heading to Jerusalem, and she has gone through the purification law in Leviticus 12, and now she's able to be around others, and she's going to the temple in Jerusalem to then do what's next in that law, which is to take your firstborn male to be consecrated and consolated in the temple to the Lord. It's just worth giving, because sometimes you can read these things, and you'll be like, okay, that sounds weird, next part. But that's what happened. So you can see here that Mary and Joseph were very true to the law. They were very righteous. They, they followed what the law was and they were great people. But verse 23, next one. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. The Lord spoke this to Moses in Exodus 13. And so there's that. Verse 24, we're going through quick. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or a pair of two young pigeons. Let me read you these verses from Leviticus 12 and it'll give you some context here. So just tune in. They're not gonna be on the screen, but listen carefully. Leviticus 12, verse six to eight says, when the days of her, meaning a woman, when the days of her purification are completed, meaning the 33 days of not being in contact with anyone are completed, whether for a son or a daughter, she will bring to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle, which is the temple of meeting, a lamb. So they're told to bring a lamb as a, as a first year burnt offering or a young pigeon or a turtle dove as a sin offering. Then 
He shall offer it before the Lord and make it an atonement for her sins, and she shall be given, she will be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who has been given who has given birth to a son or a daughter. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she may bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One is a burnt offering and the other is a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be clean. So what do you learn instantly from here? is that you had to bring two pigeons and two turtle doves if you could not afford to bring a lamb. If you could afford to bring a lamb, you only had to bring one of those birds. But this, so this proves here, Mary and Joseph were very poor. They could not afford to bring a lamb as this significant sacrifice. They brought two pigeons, two turtle doves. Just a fun fact. Mary and Joseph were very poor. And so they've gone through all the purification rites. They're on the way to Jerusalem, which was probably a 140-mile commute by, by foot. They are now in Jerusalem. They're now at the temple about to dedicate and consolate Jesus there. So Simeon is only in the Bible here. And for me, this was like the first year that I've truly engaged with the person of Simeon. Like I, I would read through this and I'd be like, oh, this is just a section of the Bible, Jesus is still a baby and they're doing what they have to do. But Simeon is amazing and I love this story of him. And so let's go through the description of what the scriptures here gave for Simeon. It was this, that he was righteous and devout, that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. That's a, that's a great guy right there, right? Righteous and devout. He was waiting on the Lord and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. What we see here is nowhere in the scripture does it give us a physical description of who Simeon is. All it is is his heart. All it is is who he is. And it made me think of First Samuel where the Lord said to Samuel that man looks at outward appearance but God looks at the heart. Is that true in your life right now? Let's just be honest. Do you care more about your reputation and how you are perceived or do you care about your inward being because that's what God looks at? Your heart, are you righteous? Are you devout? Are you filled with his Holy Spirit? Are you waiting on him to move or are you simply just trying to be a certain look for the people around you so it can please them? I say that because that was me. I, I've been raised in church my whole life. I knew what to do to look Christian. From a very young age, I knew what would please certain people. I knew what would stop people talking. But I didn't really care to have this inward character of being righteous and devout and actually knowing his Holy Spirit. So that's my first challenge to you tonight. You can expect the unexpected blessings and promises fulfilled by God in your life if first your inward being is righteous and devout. The reason that Simeon noticed the promise being fulfilled is because of these things. What if he'd just been told, you're gonna see the Messiah one day and didn't do anything from there? I'm pretty sure he would miss it. Righteous and devout. So what does this mean? Simeon had God's imputed righteousness. If you're taking notes, what we see here is that Simeon had imputed righteousness, meaning it was inputted into him. Because we see in Romans 3 that no one is righteous, not even one, only God. So how does it say that Simeon's righteous? That means that he's been given the righteousness of God. That's the promise that we have too. 
Christian in here, it is true, yes, you are a sinner. Yes, without Jesus, you are nothing, but you have Jesus, so you are able to say, I have been made righteous in his sight. What a blessing that is. By nothing that you have done, you have been named righteous. And so Simeon here is named righteous by God. He is righteous and devout. Imputed means that God put the righteousness of Christ into Simeon, which makes him holy and makes him set apart. What this also means is when it would say in this kind of culture that somebody is righteous, it means they are holding to the law well, the law of Moses, the Mosaic law, the Levitical Levitical law. They are holding well to the law and the commandments. Doesn't mean he was perfect, but he means he was holding well to this. So what are we learning about Simeon here? He's a great guy. He loved the Lord and he was waiting for him. Devout simply means this, that you are reverent towards God. You're devoted, devoted to God, reverent to him. When I think of reverence, it means that I fear the Lord, that I'm in reverence to how powerful and how holy he is. Recognizing how holy the Lord is has been a life changer in my life the last year. Just in our our college ministry this whole semester up until last week, we've been going through the book of 1 Peter and that is all about pursuing holiness. But first, before you can pursue any kind of holiness, you need to recognize how holy God is. Something that you hear in Christian language nowadays is this. Yeah, God God is a part of my life. He's a really important part of my life. That this part of my life, I dedicate this to God. And we try to fit God into ours. God is not, if you, if you truly love the Lord, which a lot of you do in here, he's not just something to be made an important part of your life. He is your life. He is life who gave you life, who woke you up this morning. He is not an important part. He is life. He is your life. Stop trying to just make him just an important side piece that's just nice to have. He is your life. He is your life. To be reverent and to be in fear of God is this. Fearing God is not something that you're to be scared of him. Fearing God is to be awestruck by him that you run towards him. That you are in awe of who this holy God is. First Peter says, be holy as I am holy. That's the Lord speaking. And I I heard a preacher say this and it changed my life. When we hear about the angels in heaven and what they're singing to God, what are they singing? They're not singing gracious, gracious, gracious. They're not singing powerful, powerful, powerful. They're not singing kind. They're not singing nice. They're not, they're not singing compassionate. They're singing one thing. They're singing that he's holy. And that because he is holy, he is all those things as well. But first, before you can recognize God as anything in your life, you need to recognize him as holy, that he is nothing like you. Yes, you are made in his likeness. Yes, you are made in his image. But there is no one like this God. So stop trying to put him in this box of this is what he looks like to me. This is a God that is way outside your understanding, but still within your reach. And this is important to recognize here because this God who is nothing like us is so powerful, is so sovereign, that he still chose to come in the form of a baby. A baby. You do recognize because God is so holy, so powerful, so just, so in control, he could have done this any way he wanted to. But he decided to humble himself. 
and to come as a child. Are you singing holy to the Lord? Or are you trying to fit him into what you like? So the next part, it says Simeon was waiting on the consolation of Israel. Consolation actually means comfort. So if you see anywhere in the Bible where it's like, oh, I'm waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simeon was waiting for the comfort of his nation, waiting for the comfort for him. And it means to wait for the Messiah, wait for the Son of God to come who will bring all comfort and all peace and all righteousness. And he was told, I just think this is amazing. Imagine being told by God this, you will not die until you have seen the Messiah. Wow. Imagine living with that anticipation every single day, that a really good anticipation of, I might see the Son of God today, but then I'm gonna die. (laughs) It's like, what kind of life is that? That's crazy. Imagine being told that you are gonna see something amazing and probably soon after that, you're gonna die. He's like, okay. So we're not told in here if Simeon was really old, but we can probably presume he was. He doesn't tell us, it doesn't tell us what his stature was like or anything, but it tells us what his character was. And he was righteous and he was devout and he was waiting on the comfort of Israel for the Messiah to come. And there was actually an ancient Jewish prayer that was called, may I see in my lifetime the consolation of Israel. And it was called the messianic hope. And this came from Simeon. Simeon was living this out, having a messianic hope. We were just in 1 Thessalonians before this, talking about when Jesus would return. We can still live in that. We can still live in a messianic hope that he is coming again. The comfort of the Son of God, the comfort of Jesus will come one more time. So this, what we can presume, old guy, Simeon, I bet he was at the temple, I bet he was going around every day just looking at every family who would bring babies, right? Lord, is this the one? Is this the one? And then this one day, this poor couple, Mary and Joseph, comes, not with a lamb, but with two pigeons and two turtle doves. And the Lord says to him, that's the one. That's the one. This man took the child in his arms Simeon, who had been waiting on this his whole life, took the baby, Jesus, into his arms and praised God. A man that revered God, a new God. Yeah, let's go back to that. This guy, Simeon, said he was righteous and devout. He was devout, he was so in awe of Jesus at all times. He followed the law, He was devoted to who God was and he knew God and he was in fear and reverence to him. Imagine, constantly all you do is view that I'm gonna see the son of God one day. I'm gonna see this righteous, perfect, holy God one day. This man who had been waiting for that his whole life, now holding God himself in his arms in the form of a baby. Imagine waiting on that. Would you be disappointed? Would you have been hoping that this, this time that you were gonna see the Messiah was gonna be this dread, like dramatic thing? You'd think at least if it was a baby, it was gonna be brought by a couple who had maybe 10 lambs and they were like, this is the king. But they only had two pigeons, two turtle doves, a poor couple with a baby in their arms. And now this guy Simeon waiting on this his whole life is holding God himself in his arms. 
and his reaction is what I want us to be empowered with from today and from this moment on. Can we just rejoice a second in how personal our God is? That he could have come any single way he wanted to. That he could have revealed himself as Messiah to Simeon once he was older and once he was doing all these miracles, but he revealed himself to Simeon in the form of a baby. What love and what humility. So in closing in verses 29 to 32, this is what we're gonna learn about, how we are to live. So verse 29, this is Simeon's reaction. He's been waiting for this moment his whole life and he's holding Jesus in his arms. And he says, sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. That's him basically saying, you fulfilled your promise, Lord, and this is too great. You can leave me in peace. It's him saying, I can die now. Recognize the holiness of God one more time. Could, you, could it be? I don't know. For me, I'd be like holding this baby and I'd be like, okay, it's a baby. But it helped me recognize that Jesus was so amazing, so holy, so righteous, so full of the Holy Spirit, so perfect that even just holding him as a child was enough for Simeon to say, I can die now. That this was enough for me. It wasn't him saying, I wanna stay and I wanna see him perform all these miracles. It wasn't, I wanna stay and see that he would give the sacrifice and save the world from all of their sin. Just seeing him once was enough for him to say, that's enough for me. Some of you guys are putting Jesus in this box that you're like, I need more, I need more, I need more, I need more. Look, going back to what I was saying at the beginning, we as people always want what we don't have. We get an experience from God, but instead of rejoicing in the experience and the love that we were given from God, we're already waiting for what's next. Simeon wasn't, what's next? I've been waiting this for a whole life and now I'm holding the baby, what am I gonna get next? He was saying, this was enough for me. He said, sovereign Lord, you have kept your promise. You've kept your promise. The Christmas narrative is just a time to celebrate the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of him. In this time, in this season, and from this day on, some of you guys just need to take a moment to learn how to actually rejoice in a God that gave you a promise and fulfilled it. And I was thinking about this earlier this week and then it was confirmed because I was at a conference yesterday and the guy who was preaching said the exact things that I was thinking. And I was like, wow, thank you, Lord. We have been, I think we have been taught so well and so much of how to lean into God and how to pray to God and how to be in reverence and awe of him when life is hard that we've actually forgot how to be in reverence and praise him when it's great. Just be honest, I, I, I feel this. When, when this pastor said this yesterday, I related with it like nothing else. I am actually closer to the Lord when I'm facing suffering, when I'm facing bad circumstances. I actually feel closer to him because I know I'm wired and I've been told my whole life, when you are in those situations, you lean into the Lord like no other. But then when things and promises have been fulfilled like Simeon with this, I don't know if my reaction would have been, sovereign Lord, you've kept your promise, I can die now. My thing is, I don't even know if I would notice. 
because my being as a Christian has been taught I only actually know how to be really close to God when I really need to. But when promises are kept and fulfilled to me and the unexpected happens to me, I don't expect them to happen and I don't, I don't, and I don't rejoice and praise God for it. Could it be that that's you today? Could it be that God has actually promised you things decades ago and they've come to fruition, but you have not seen them because all that you know is how to follow God when it's not going well? Usually a message is reversed, right? It's like, oh, you know how to follow God when everything's going well, but then when things don't. For me, it's the other way around. I don't notice the blessings and promises of God being fulfilled to me because I only know how to follow him when it's hard. Is that you today? Because for some of you, those promises and those unexpected things that you have been praying for for so long has happened. And when they happened, you didn't take time to actually rejoice and say, Sovereign Lord, you are a God that is a promise keeper. And I'm gonna lean into you. And this is all I need. You're too busy waiting for the next thing. Could that be proof that facing suffering in your life, maybe God is like, you know, maybe I like when Aaron is facing some hard trials because that's when he actually leans most into me. Could it be that when I'm stressed, when I'm worried, when I'm full of anxiety, when I'm full of stress, when I'm full of pain, that God sees that and says, that's, that's when Aaron trusts me the most. I want him to also see that I trust and I love and I follow him when promises are kept, not waiting for another one to come. What are you waiting on right now? What have you been praying for for a few days, a few weeks, a few months, a few years, a couple decades? What have you been praying for? Are you ready for those promises and those prayers and those desires in your heart that you have pleaded before God towards? Are you ready for them to be fulfilled? Or will they be unexpected and you don't notice? Because Simeon, in the middle of this, before, those, that promises, before that promise was fulfilled, he was righteous and devout and waiting. There's a difference between waiting and doing nothing. Waiting is expecting and moving with expectation. He was in step with the Holy Spirit. It said the Holy Spirit led him to the temple in Jerusalem. If he wasn't in step and he wasn't in tune with how God leads, he wouldn't have even been there. But God said, go, go to the temple today. And that's where his promise was kept. He said, my eyes, verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. I loved this this week when I noticed that. He said, my eyes have seen your salvation. He's holding a baby. He's holding Jesus in his arms. And he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Jesus later in his life never said, I am a part of your life that you're meant to live. I am a good way to live life. He never said, I have some truth that you should live. He didn't say, I have a way that you should live. What did he say? He said, I am the way. I am the truth, I am the life. So when Simeon, is looking at, when Simeon is looking at Jesus in his arms, he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Salvation isn't a thing you do or a thing you try and achieve. Salvation is actually a person. 
that he had his eyes on salvation, meaning Jesus, even as a baby, was salvation in physical form. Jesus is not saying, I have a better way to live, and that's it. He's saying, I am salvation. I am life. I am truth. And I am the way. God came down as a baby so that people could see salvation in physical form so that now we can receive salvation. And what you have received is not a thing. You have received salvation in a physical form and it's Jesus himself. So if you say that I've received salvation, you're saying I've received Jesus, that Jesus himself lives inside of you. You have received a messianic hope. You have received a peace like Simeon who could say, Sovereign Lord, this was all I needed. You can leave your servant in peace. Through knowing salvation and through knowing Jesus, we can actually expect the unexpected. But I wanna speak to that person right now who you don't expect good things to come. That the pattern of your life preaches the absolute opposite of that God blesses you that all you've, all you've ever witnessed in life is unkept promises, maybe by friends, maybe by your parents that gave you big promises and they didn't come. Maybe you've actually felt that God has given you promises and they haven't come to fruition yet. Maybe you've been praying for decades for that child to return to the Lord. Maybe you've been praying for that sickness and that illness in somebody or in yourself would go away but you really just don't believe that God is actually a promise keeper in this season. And Christmas isn't a reminder of the faithfulness of God to you. I wanna pray for you because this is living proof that one sight, one little look at salvation is enough. So I wanna do this. We're church, we're family, right? We love each other in this room. If you're someone today who hearing this message and hearing that God keeps his promises and his promises will be fulfilled to you and he actually has good things for you and he actually has blessings in his plan for you. If you just really don't believe that or maybe you're really hoping for one that hasn't happened that you've, that you've been praying for for a long time or maybe even only a day but you're hoping for this to come to fruition. If that's you, I want you to actually stand up and the people in this church are gonna get around you and they're gonna put hands on you and we're gonna pray for you. So if you're someone in today in this season or maybe for a long time, there's a promise of God that's been put on your life or maybe a desire that you've been praying for for a really long time hasn't come. I wanna pray that you would stay righteous and devout and faithful and wait on the Lord because in due time, in his time, it will come. So if you're in that season of life right now, I want you to stand up and I wanna pray for you. amazing. Guys, look around if you're close to these people as they continue to stand up. Get up. Move. Go and show them that you're there and I'm going to pray for them. Put your hands around them. If you can't reach them, put your hands out. Put your hands out to these people. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I praise you. I praise you, Sovereign Lord, that you hear our prayers that you hear our cry for mercy, Lord, and that you love us. 
I thank you, Jesus, that you are a promise keeper. It's not that maybe you'll keep your promises. You will never fail to bring a promise into fruition that is in your plan. So for these people, Lord, who maybe don't believe that you're a father who gives good gifts, maybe you can't relate with Simeon right now. Maybe you've just been waiting for too long. I pray you would remind them that you are never late. You are never early. You are always on time, Lord. And that your plan is perfect for them. And that you love them dearly. I pray for the person who right now is waiting on that promise and maybe has faith that it will come. Lord, I pray that you would make them righteous and devout like Simeon so that when it comes, they will know it's there and they will say, Sovereign Lord, you've kept your promise. Praise you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, would you guys stand? We're gonna worship.